Well, thank you for being here tonight. You know, people come to church on Sunday because they've got to, and people come to church on Monday because they get to. And uh, thank you for being get to and not got to. June the 26th, 1982, over 37 years ago, was probably the saddest day of my life. It was the day that our first child was born. It was the day that Pete was born. His real name is not Pete. Everybody knows him as Pete Parker, but uh, his real name is Jeremy. Jeremy Allen. He cannot say Jeremy as well as he, he can say Pete. So uh, we kind of changed his name when he was about 10 years old. We changed his name to Pete. And Pete was born on June the 26th, 1982. He was born with what the doctors call an encephalus seal, a sack outside of his head, and there was brain tissue in this sack. Uh, we did not know anything was going to be wrong until he was born. You know, 30 plus years ago, they did not do all the tests that they currently do, and so we were expecting a very normal, healthy little baby. Didn't know if it were going to be a girl or a boy, but we were expecting a very normal, healthy child. And Pete was born with that massive sack outside of his head, and there was brain tissue in the sack. The doctors looked at him and said, there's nothing we can do, our hands are tied. They said, if we surgically remove that sack, more than likely he'll die in surgery. If he does not die, he'll just, he'll just exist, kind of like a vegetable. So we recommend, Mr. and Mrs. Parker, that you take him home and love him. He's going to die. And that's what we did. We, we brought him home and we loved him. But he did not die. The first few days and weeks of his life, we woke up thinking, you know, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the day that he's going to die. But he did not die. So when he was about uh, six weeks old, we got on the phone. We called some other docs. And uh, that encephalus cell, that sack outside of his head, was surgically removed. And today, physically, he's as healthy as anybody in this room. He very seldom gets sick. No! Uh, mentally, he has some challenges. Some people say he's uh, retarded. Some people say he's special. Some people say he's handicapped. He's 37 years old. He's never taken a step by himself in his life. He's never played on a football team or a basketball team. He, he will never be able to live independently. I, I don't tell you about our son to uh, encourage you to feel sorry for us. We... Uh, we do not, at least most of the time, we do not feel sorry for ourselves. He's been a, he's been a blessing to our lives. Yikes. Well, you're welcome. But let me ask the mothers of this audience, moms, how would you feel if your son had never taken a step by himself in his life? To the dads of this audience, how would you feel if your son had never played on a ball team? See, brain damage hurts. Brain damage is bad. And you're looking at one preacher who's asked one question... And the question that I've asked is this one. Why? Why do bad things happen to decent people? Have you ever asked why? Some time ago we were, uh, we were eating breakfast in a restaurant and a friend of ours walked in. A fellow by the name of Tom. Tom walked in, he sat down across the restaurant. And after I finished, I walked over and I said, Hey, good morning. I said, Would you like to buy my breakfast? And all of a sudden, as those words were coming out of my mouth, it occurred to me, This is not the guy that I think it is. <laughs> he looked like Tom. 
He could have been Tom's twin brother, but it wasn't Tom. Now get the picture. I'm, I'm standing in Cracker Barrel, patting this stranger on the back, asking him to buy my breakfast, and all of a sudden it occurs to me, this is not Tom. I said, sir, you have a good day, and I marched out of there. And when something weird like that happens, you kind of want to throw up your hands and ask why. Have you ever asked why? Maybe somebody in your family is in a wheelchair, and you're thinking, but why? Why? Maybe you uh, went to the doctor and you heard the word cancer. Cancer. And you're thinking, are, are, are you teasing? I have cancer. Why? Maybe you've lost a loved one. A mom or a dad, a husband, a wife, a child. A and you're thinking, but, but why? Uh, maybe you went to work and, and the boss said, there's no longer a job. Uh, we're, we're releasing you. We're, we're letting you go. A and you gave your heart and soul to the company, but now you find yourself jobless and you're thinking, but, but why? Maybe you've been through a painful divorce. You know that God hates divorce. You were against divorce. But now you find yourself divorced. And you kind of want to throw up your hands and ask, why? Why do bad things happen to decent people? Well, it's not a new question. It's not a new question in any sense of the imagination. It's as old as the Old Testament. And let me show you why I say that. Do you have a Bible? If you have a Bible, I want you to go with me, please, to the book of Judges. It's the seventh book of God's Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. There's the book. And tonight, we're going to start in Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. Maybe you remember the story. The people of God, the Israelites, were being oppressed and afflicted and hounded by their enemies, by the Midianites and by the Amalekites. So much so that they lose their homes, they lose their jobs, they lose their livestock. Uh, the people of God have to go live in caves. And to comfort His people, God sends an angel. And this angel goes to a fellow by the name of Gideon. Maybe you remember Gideon. You can read about him in Hebrews chapter 11. He's a great man of faith. And the angel comes to Gideon. And the angel says, hey, cheer up. God's going to be with you. God's going to be there. It's the promise of Matthew 28 and verse 20. What did Jesus say? He said, lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the world. It's the promise of Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And that's what God, through the angel, is saying to Gideon and to his people. Cheer up. Everything's going to be okay. I'm going to be with you. God says, I'm going to be there. And I love Gideon's response in verse 13, Judges 6 and verse 13. Gideon said to the angel, Oh dear sir, oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, what's the question, audience? Do, do you see the question in your Bible in Judges 6 and verse 13? God says, hey, I'll be with you. Everything's going to be okay. Put a smile on your face, a song in your heart, a leap in your staff. I'm going to be there. And Gideon looks around and he says to the angel, Sir, dear Lord, if the Lord is with us, here's the question. Why? Why has all this, my mother's Bible, the old King James says, Why then is all this befallen us? Maybe your Bible says, Why has this happened to us? And you know, even today, 
as I look at Pete, my son, in a wheelchair, uh, sometimes I want to ask the very same question. You know, if a mother gets pregnant and she's been drinking or drugging or running around with every guy in the community and she gives birth to a retarded or deformed or handicapped kid, you know, maybe you can reason through that. On the other hand, here's a mom and she hasn't been drinking and she hasn't been drugging and she hasn't been running around with every guy in the community and she gives birth to a retarded or deformed or handicapped kid. I kind of want to ask like Gideon, wait a minute, Lord, why? Why me? I'm a preacher. Don't you love preachers? And no doubt that's the way that Gideon and the people of God are feeding. Lord, we've, we've given everything to you. And, and, and we've been attacked. And, and we've lost our homes. We've lost our jobs. We've had to go live in caves. And you're saying that the Lord is going to be... I want to know, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And I'll be honest with you, folks. I don't know. I don't know. Not in every case do I understand why bad things happen to decent People. But let me tell you something that I do know. I'll give you some hope tonight, some encouragement. We call this a good news gospel meeting. We meet for good news. Here's some good news. I do know that all things, even horrible things, even bad things, work together for good. And let me show you why I say that. I want you to leave the Old Testament. I want you to leave the book of Judges and go with me, please, to the New Testament. I want you to go with me, please, to Romans chapter 8. It's the sixth book of God's new Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. There's the book. And tonight we go to Romans chapter 8. Now you know the verse. You've heard sermons on this verse. A bill is preached on this verse. You probably can quote this verse. You've heard it all of your life. But I want you to look at it as though you've never heard it. Listen to it as though you've never read this verse. Romans 8, look to verse 28. Verse 28 of Romans chapter 8. Paul said, and we think. He didn't say that, did he? And we suspect. Oh no. And we hope. He didn't say that. He said, and we know. Verse 28, Romans 8, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. First of all, from Romans 8 and verse 28, I want you to notice the promise of this verse. The promise of Romans 8 and verse 28. The promise is not all things are good. That's not the promise. Uh, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, would you agree that there are some things in life that are very, very bad? Uh, cancer is bad. Amen. Surgery is bad. Sickness is bad. Divorce is bad. Losing a loved one is bad. A kid in a wheelchair is bad. The promise is not all things are good. The promise is, and we know, that all things, even the bad things of life, work together for good. Let me illustrate what I'm talking about. I want you to imagine that this side of the room is the beginning of life. And imagine that this side of the room is the end of life. Are you with me? This is death. This is the door of death. The door of death. And over here is the door of birth. Are you with me? This is birth and this is death. I'm born into the world. And I start my journey through life. I start living life. It may be when I'm 10, it may be when I'm 17, it may be when I'm 31. Sooner or later, let me show you what I'm going to have to do. 
Sooner or later, I'm going to have to do this. There are loads that have to be lifted. There are burdens that have to be borne. There are weights that have to be carried. It may be a very serious sickness. It may be a car accident. It may be losing a job. It may be losing a mom or a dad or a husband or a wife or a child. It's not natural for parents to have to bury their children. It may be some sickness. It may be some disease. But sooner or later, there are loads that have to be lifted. There are burdens that have to be borne. And they get heavy. Don't they get heavy? Life is not always easy. Life gets heavy. But watch me. Are you watching? My burden has now become my blessing. My trial has now become my treasure. The load that I lifted now lives me. And I really believe that's the promise of Romans 8 and verse 28. The promise is not everything in life is going to be sweet. That's not the promise. Everything in life is going to be hunky-dory. No, no, that's not the promise. The promise is, and we know that all things, even the bad things of life, work together for good. And I've seen that even in our own lives with our son, with our handicapped son, Pete. In fact, let me share with you some of the uh, blessings that have come into our lives because of our, our son, Pete. We've been able to see the love of God. First of all, the love of God. You know, I love you. I love every single one of you. But there are not many people that I love enough that I would give my handicapped son to die for. But let me tell you something. God loved you enough to give his, not handicapped son, not his brain damaged son, his perfect son, his monogenase. John 3.16, God so loved the world that He gave His monogenes, His one-of-a-kind, His special, only Son. And I believe that if you were the only sinner living, Jesus would have died for you. He would have been buried for you. He would have been raised for you. God says, I am crazy about you. I love you, and I want to prove it. I'm going to give my perfect Son for you. Some time ago, at the Hendersonville Church, where I preached for 16 and a half years, we were doing communion. We were having communion. You know, in Churches of Christ, we do that every Sunday. Acts 20, verse 7, upon the first day of the week, the disciples came together to break bread. And we break bread in Churches of Christ every Sunday. We observe communion. The bread is the body of Christ, the grape juice, the wine is the blood of Jesus. And there was a fellow by the name of Cleon that was serving bread, serving the bread. And I was sitting on the edge of the... Uh, edge of the pew, at the end of the pew, and Pete was sitting in the wheelchair right beside me. And as Cleon came along with the bread in his hand, Pete reached out and he grabbed the hand of Cleon, one of our deacons of the church. And then Pete reached down and he grabbed my hand. And, and he put my hand in Cleon's hand. And there it was at the Hendersonville Church of Christ on a Sunday morning, during communion, holding hands with Cleon. And I thought about Jesus, and I thought about the cross. And I thought about the body and the blood. I mean, here, here Jesus is dying on the cross. And in effect, with one hand, he reaches up and, and he grabs the hand of his Father, God, 
and with the other hand he reaches down and grabs the hand of man, sinful man, and he puts man's hand in God's hand, and he says, sinful man, I want you to meet my perfect father. Perfect father, I want you to meet sinful man. And he puts man's hand in God's hand. And that's really what Jesus did at the cross. He brought reconciliation. He made friends between God and sinful man by dying for us upon the cross. And when I look at my special son, Pete, I'm reminded of God's special son, Jesus. So first of all, I've been able to see the love of God. In the second place, I've been able to see the love of God's people. Number one, the love of God. Number two, the love of God's people. As I told you yesterday, I believe that I stand before the greatest people in the world. I really do. Romans 16, 16, the churches of Christ salute you. And tonight I want to salute the churches of Christ. The greatest people in the world, in my judgment, are the people of God. Members of Christ's body, Christ's church. In fact, let me tell you what the church of Christ at Hendersonville did for us some time ago. They gave us a van. A brand new van. Oh, it had... It had 13,000 miles on it. But the van that I'm talking about had, had a wheelchair lift. And the lift would come out and we could pull Pete in, and bring Pete to the van. And, and, and they said, Keith and Sandra, my wife, Keith, Sandra, we love you. We just want to give you this van. And I thought, you're going you're gonna to do what? Give us a van? Are you, are you kidding? No, we love you. and We, we love Pete and... We just want to help out. We just want to give you this. And that's what they did. They gave us the van. We put a lot of miles on that van. About six months later, maybe a year later, after the van, there was another couple of our church, Bill and Vicky, And they, they brought us a car. And they said, Keith and Sandra, we uh, love you. And we just want to give you our car. You're going to do what? We're going to, we're going to give you our car. It was an older car. And Sandra, my wife, started driving the van, and Pete could get out and go places. And I, I started driving Bill and Vicky's old car. And I, I'd go my way, and Sandra would go her way, and Pete. And, well, about six months after that, true story, folks, this is a true story. A lady by the name of Irene came to me on a Sunday. A lady by the name of Irene. I had just preached Irene's daddy's funeral on Friday, two days before, and this was two days later on Sunday, and Irene came to me, and Irene said, uh, Keith, my daddy wanted you to have his car. Again, I just preached his funeral on Friday, and she said, my daddy left his car to you. And I said, Irene, thank you, but no thanks. I, you know, we don't need another car. Bill and Vicky have given us their car, and I'm driving that, and Sandra is driving the van that the church gave us. We don't need another car. Thanks, but no thanks. She said, but Keith, my daddy really loves you and he wanted you to have his car. And I said, Irene, thank you, but you know, we don't need another car. Thanks, but no thanks. And she said, Keith, you cannot argue with a dead man. My daddy wanted you to have his car. And I said, Irene, I don't need it. And that went on for a while, you know. And then she took me out into the parking lot and she showed me her daddy's car. And it was a Cadillac. And I said, well, if you insist. <laughs> and I started driving that Cadillac. Put a lot of miles on that Cadillac. Well, some time ago, a lady by the name of Maggie, Margaret, another member of our church, gave us her car. Oh. It is at home. 
It's a town called Lincoln. And it's in the garage at home. And, 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 and folks, I, I'm not, this is not brag on me. This is brag on the church. And everywhere we go, people have been so nice to us, so kind to us, and especially to our handicapped son, Pete. So first of all, we've been able to see the love of God. Number two, the love of God's people. Let me share with you another great blessing that has come into our lives because of our problem, our situation with our son, Pete. In the third place, we've been able to serve people uh, that we would not have served, reach people that we would not have reached, all because of our situation with Pete. If you have cancer... If you have cancer, I can't walk up to you and say, Hey, I understand. I, I, I know what you're going through. I, I, I've never been there. Never had cancer. If you've lost a job, if you've been fired or let go, I can't walk up to you and say, You know, I know what you're going through. I, 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 I've been there. I've never been there. But let me tell you what I can do. If you've lost a mate, a wife, I can't walk up to you and say, Brother, I know the heart, heartache. Of the, I, I've never been there. I, I, I've had my wife for 42 years. But let me tell you what I can do. I can go up to parents of special kids. I can look them in the eyes and I can say, Hey, hey, I know. I, I, I understand because I have a special son. In fact, some time ago we were, uh, we were on vacation, just kind of relaxing on vacation. And there was a woman that walked up to me and said, Excuse me, uh, what's wrong with your boy? And I kind of I kind of looked around. She was talking to me. By the way, brothers and sisters, do you realize that there's something that's wrong with all of us? Uh, you, you do know that, don't you? Something is wrong with all of us. Uh, some of us are, are blind, so we have to wear glasses, Bob, or contacts like I do. And some of us are deaf, and we have to wear hearing aids, right? And some of us don't have a lot of grass growing on the lawn upstairs, Bailey. And I'm not going to look at anybody on this one, okay? I'm going to close my eyes. But I'll just be honest with, us, with, with you folks. Some, some of us are just ugly. I mean, we put the ugly in ugly, right? See, there's something that's wrong with all of us. But this woman walked up to me and said, excuse me, stranger. She walked up and she said, excuse me, what's wrong with your boy? And I kind of, she was talking to me. So I began to tell her about our son, Pete. And she began to tell me about somebody in her family that was handicapped. And, and, and we made that connection. We talked for a while. And before I left that lady, before I left that conversation, I gave that woman a Bible tract. And as I walked away from her, she was standing there reading that Bible tract. And I've been able to serve people that I would not have served, reach people that I would not have reached, all because of our special son, Pete. I'm telling you, folks, it's a great promise. The promise is not all things are good. The promise is, and we know, and we know that all things, even the horrible things, the painful things, work together for good. But that's not the end of the verse. It's not the end of the verse. In Romans 8.28, he not only talks about a promise, he talks about the people to whom the promise is made. Go back to verse 28. Verse 28. Paul said, and we know that all things work together for good. That's the promise. To whom? It's not made to everybody. It's not made to the atheist. It's not made to the unbeliever. It's not made to those on the outside. We can't just get out here on the highway in front of the church, stop the traffic and say, Hey, come on in. We have a great promise for you. Oh no, it's not made to everybody. Scripture says it's made to them that love God. 
to them that love God. I want to ask the Christians of this audience a question. And I ask, as I ask you, I ask myself, do you love God? You say, Keith, do I love God? What kind of question? Well, that's a crazy, what do you mean, do I love God? That's a crazy question. I'm in church on Monday night. What do you mean, do I love? I'm not asking, are you in church on Monday night? You're here tonight, but that's not the question. The question is, honestly, down deep, do you love God? I think about what Jesus said in Matthew 22. Master, which is the great commandment of the law? Commandment number one, to love God. To love God with all of your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind. I'm telling you, folks, it's the greatest motivation, the motivation of love. See, that's the reason we ought to come to church on Sunday night and Wednesday night. Have you noticed? In churches of Christ, we have a big old crowd on Sunday morning, less on Sunday night, even less on Wednesday night. Man, I used to preach for a church in Hendersonville for 16 and a half years. We'd have maybe 14 to 1,500 on Sunday morning, maybe Sunday night. It would fall off to about half, even lower than that on Wednesday night. And I see that all across America. Big old number on Sunday morning. Maybe 300 on Sunday morning. Maybe 175 on Sunday night. Maybe even less on Wednesday night. You know why people ought to come to church on Sunday night and Wednesday night? i tell you why. You want to be with those that you love. See, we go to church not because Bill or some preacher gets up and beats on the pulpit and raises his voice and says, uh, raises his voice and says, Hey, you better come to church. We don't come to church because a preacher fusses at us. Why do we come to church? You want to be with those that you love. And Jesus said in Matthew 18 and verse 20, where two or three gather together in my name, I'm in the midst of them. Jesus is here. You just want to be with those that you love. And, and brothers and sisters, that's the reason we ought to read our Bibles. And that's the reason we ought to pray. You know why you ought to pray and read your Bible? Like, like the Bereans, Acts 17 and verse 11, they search the Scriptures every day. You know why you ought to read your Bible and, and pray daily? You know why? You want to communicate with those that you love. And, and see, that's the reason we ought to get out here and knock on a few doors and set up Bible studies and talk to our neighbors and friends about heaven, about Jesus. Why do we talk about you? You want to talk about those that you love. So I want to ask the Christians down deep, honestly, do you love God? Do you love God more today than you've loved Him last year? Do you love God more right now than you've ever loved Him in your life? It is the greatest motivation, the motivation of love. 1 Corinthians 13, Paul said that love is patient and love is kind. Love does not envy. And on and on he goes saying that love is doing, love is serving, love is an action. Love is saying you first and me second. As God's people, are we saying, God, you're number one with our lives? Do you love God? Oh, it's a great promise, but it's not made to everybody. To whom is the promise made? It's made to the people that love God. And yet that's not the end of the verse. He goes on to say, and to them who are the called according to His purpose. I want to speak to maybe a few of you who are not Christians. Maybe you're here on this Monday night. We're glad to have you, but you're not a Christian. You need to be called by God. You say, Keith, I don't understand. Well, let me explain. I think about Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, the apostles preached about Jesus. 
The Apostle Peter talked about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And the audience cried out, Sir, to the preacher, Sir, what must we do? And you remember Peter said, You need to change, you need to repent, and you need to be baptized. We have some people in this audience that need to repent and be baptized. Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you, to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. See, God calls us through the gospel into a saved relationship with Jesus. 2 Thessalonians 2.14 We're called through the Word. And God is calling. God is saying, Hey, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God is calling people into a saved relationship with Him. We have some people in this audience who need to accept that call. You need to change your life. Surrender. Repent. That's the hard thing about becoming a Christian. The hard thing about becoming a Christian is not being baptized. The hard thing about becoming a Christian is changing, repenting. And Peter did say repent and be baptized. Why? For the forgiveness of sins. And the promise is to you, to, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I'm telling you folks, it's a precious promise. It's a great promise. But it's not made to everybody. It's made to the people that love God to them who are the called according to His plan or His purpose. Now, you've listened well, and I appreciate you listening. But as we bring this thing to a landing, here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine that in front of you, you have a sack. Everybody in this room, you have a sack. And what I want you to do, I want you to do me a favor. What I want you to do, I want you to place all of your troubles in the sack that you hold in your hand. Whatever's going on in your life. And maybe it's a, a financial situation. Maybe it's a health crisis. Maybe it's the pain of losing a job or losing a mate. Uh, maybe it's a, a disease. Maybe it's a very serious... Whatever you're struggling with in life, okay? All of us have problems. We came tonight with problems. So here's what I want you to do. You've got a sack in front of you. You have a sack in front of you. And I want you to put all of your problems of your life in your sack. Would you do that right now? Go ahead and do it. I can tell some of you haven't done it. It's written all across your face. So let me give you permission to take all of the problems of your life and put all of your problems in the sack that you hold in your hand. Would you do that right now? Whew. Feel better, don't you? You can smile, stand up straight. Life is good because all of your problems are in your sack in front of you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get up from your pew. Would you get up from your pew and bring your sack of problems to the front? Would you do that right now? Just, just get up and bring all of your problems to the front. Your sack of problems. So, so you get up and come. You, you come with your sack. And, and you place your sack of problems right here around this table and on this table. And, and you start to sit down. You start to sit down. Wait! Wait! Stop! Don't sit down. Don't sit down. Before you sit down, 
you have to pick up somebody else's sack. You have loaded up all of your problems. You have put your problems in your sack. You have brought your sack to the front. And before you sit down, you have to pick up somebody else's sack. Would you do it? Would you do it? Would you, would you trade places? Confession time. Not me. Not me. See, I, I, don't, want your, I don't want your sack. I, I don't want to pick up anybody's sack. I, I, I'll take my own problems with me, okay? I, I'll take my own sack home with me. I don't want your sack. But I know somebody, I know somebody who's willing to pick up 40, 45, 50 different sacks. He's willing to pick up your problems. Didn't he say in 1 Peter 5 verse 7, Cast all your care upon me. God said, cast all your care upon me. I really care for you. So what's going to happen on this Monday night? Will anybody come and say, you know, I have a sin problem. And I just need to be prayed for. Pray for me. Do do you need to come tonight and say, pray for me? It's biblical. Confess your sins one to another and pray one for another, James 5, 6, 8. Do we have anybody who's not a Christian who needs to receive God's call? You you need to receive the gospel. You you need to change and be baptized. You need to bring your sack of problems to God. So what's going to happen today? We would just stand and sing as if uh, I'm okay, you're okay, everybody's okay. Or will it really make a difference in our lives tonight? Why has all this happened to us? I don't know. Not in every case do I understand why bad things happen to decent people. But I do know there's a great, precious promise. All things work together for good. But that promise is not made to everybody. It's made to them that love God. Christian, do you love God? It's made to them who are the called according to His plan. What's going to happen tonight? Well, I would encourage you, I would beg you, let Him have His way with you. Come to God tonight. Would you come? Would you please come? Let's stand.